With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to WrestleWolf. I am Damian Gibson, and this is AEW Weekly, until we think of something cooler. Uh, joining me, as always, is the man, the mystery, the enigma. It's Matthew. How do you do, listeners? I'm trying I'm trying to find a catchphrase or good, something. Good, Matthew. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's not, it's, oh, that's, we can just WWE it and just pump it. <laughs> We are we are recording in the middle of the Thunderdome uh, at the moment, which uh, it's amazing that Vince and, and and Trips gave us the Thunderdome to record an AEW podcast. But um, you know, it shows the kind of uh, arrogance they have in this non-existent war that everybody talks about every week. Um, man, there's some things we actually had a debate i suppose you would call it about pwi's top 500 wrestlers this year and you know what the hilarious thing about this man is that that list is 100 percent designed to do what we spent most of yesterday doing and both of us who have been wrestling fans for a really long time completely fell into that trap and are now talking about it on our podcast Um, so well done pwi i remain like I, I would not call it a debate so much as an enormous personal falling out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were we were both we've both had pretty shitty weeks at work by the sounds of it, and we were, so it was trying to have this like res- fun wrestling conversation, but even that descended into like, <laughs> what the fuck is this guy talking about? So, <laughs> so our. Our con- your contention is that John Moxley should not be the number one wrestler in PWI's top 500. And I thought I was being quite sort of um, contrite and on the fence saying, look, I think from their point of view, it makes sense. He's like a, a belt holder in two of like the two other biggest promotions on earth. He left WWE on his own terms. Um, he's the face of AEW. Uh, it, it, it made total sense to me, but you don't, you genuinely don't think that, right? At first, I thought it was a bit, and then by the end of the day, I was like, "No, this is not a bit." Matt does not want John Moxley. 
<laughs> being the number one wrestler on earth. I don't know why it matters to me. It doesn't matter to me. But I do think uh, by objective standards, I think you could say if if there were in the, in the 12 months between July and July uh, 2019 to 2020, um, if there were crowds the whole time, um, you know, maybe it could tip it over because he has this sort of... Um, you know, as we'll talk about a little bit later, a real connection to the crowd. Um, I thought that it's pretty uh, hard to say. He's wrestling basically part-time. Uh, he's not I don't know about that, man. I don't think that's – excuse me. I don't think that's fair. Well, he's not he's – on, He's on Dynamite every week pretty much. Yeah, but he's not. Like, he's on Dynamite most weeks now, but there's been gaps – uh, and you know, it's once like it's not, it's ju- it's just not very regular. Um, he's not doing the house show circuit, which you know, obviously, even if AEW had house shows, they wouldn't be running now, so that's fine. Um, I think it's it's hard to say that he he's not the best on the microphone in the world. He's not the mm. best in the ring in the world. He's not the best combination of those two things in the world. Uh, like mm. I think I would say that Adam Cole is better on the microphone than John Moxley. Uh, and- I, I I don't agree with that at all. He's better. I in genuinely the- don't agree with that at all. Yes, I think Adam Cole's better in the ring and like than John Moxley, yeah. and not even in a comparable sense. And I think you would have to say that uh, Chris Jericho is better on the mic than John Moxley, and probably a little bit worse in the ring at this stage. Um, but has done more sort of interesting and bizarre things in the ring. Uh, you know, I, I I think Adam Cole, as a, I think he was NXT champion for that whole financial year um, that, that this takes into account. Um, and, mm-hmm. yes, NXT is not at its peak, but it was back then. He, he's done uh, – he, he is undeniably the face of the brand, the number one star um, – you know, he is the MVP of NXT, um, whereas John Moxley's not the MVP of uh, Dynamite. He's not the best thing on Dynamite, and I suspect he's not really the best wrestler on Dynamite. So I'm not sure how you become the best wrestler in the world if you're not the best wrestler on the show that you're on. I uh, I think if you look at the front cover... It says a new era has arrived. John Moxley's number one, and AEW has officially arrived. And I think, like on that, in that, ter- like if that's the phrasing of their choice, then I completely, I completely understand it. I completely understand the number one position. And also, when you put his New Japan uh, run from the last twelve months in there as well. It's a pretty phenomenal his three story. Or four, like, his three or four matches. I agree that if if this was a kayfabe, uh, you know, we're doing this for storyline purposes, you would absolutely have John Moxley as number one. Um, I also right think- now, if you were starting your own, if you, uh, be you yeah, you're not going to say John Moxley. If <laughs> if you were starting your own promotion and you wanted a big ticket guy to kick it off. You would have to look very. Me personally, I think you would have to look very closely at John Moxley being the number one guy that you went after. 
I think if you could choose right now any, any active wrestler in the world, John Moxley would not be. He might be at the very bottom of the top five, but I think you would certainly look at someone like Cody Rhodes, who is just absolutely phenomenal, uh, both on the mic and great in the ring and has these incredible, unique matches that not really anyone else has. Um, you, you yeah, would- but Cody's dead, so you can't. <laughs> but he wasn't for that year. Um, <laughs> uh, I think you would look at Brock Lesnar, um, as much as I hate to say it because I, I don't particularly enjoy Brock Lesnar until, you know, he turns up and actually goes to work. But if you could have full-time Brock Lesnar, you would be crazy to not. Uh, you would look at well, Jericho. I'm crazy. <laughs> you would look at Jericho. You would look at uh, Drew McIntyre as a young sort of stud. Um, For anyone you know, who hasn't looked at the list, sorry to interrupt me, but I yeah. mean, Adam Cole is number two, Jericho's number three, Drew McIntyre's number four, and NATO's number five. Hmm. So, I, 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 me personally, looking at that top five, all uh, you know, I'm like, yep. But there's nothing that. You know, I, I don't. I, I can see your. I can see. I can 100% see your Adam Cole argument. I don't think I would have McIntyre in the top five of the best wrestlers of the last 12 months, only because, like, I think I would have Cody Rhodes in his place. Uh, but isn't because- this more like it's not necessarily just like the best wrestler? It's like, you know, a sort of arbitrary top guy. Slash best, oh. slash most influential, slash most popular. Absolutely. But I think, like, the reality of Drew, Drew McIntyre's run at the moment is that they've got the belt on him. It would have been a massive deal. And now they're just, there's been three months where, four months where they've been waiting to get crowds back to give him big moments. Mm. Like, at this stage, it's not like, you know, people comparing it to Diesel's run or whatever are wrong. Uh, no, no, but, no. you know, when, when the crowds come back, Drew McIntyre, you know, next year might be the n- number two, number one best wrestler in the world. He might be. Um, he wasn't number four this year. And I think, like, if you go through the top 25, um, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because that's a very boring thing to do. But, like, you know, having having Kenny Omega at 13 is questionable given that Kenny Omega's yeah. really been an afterthought for the last 12 months. I was just going to ask you that. I mean, like, if Kenny Omega is at 13, then surely Hangman Page needs to be at 12 or 14, right? Well, exactly. And, like, you know, most of their storylines have been together except for the fact that Hangman actually wrestled for a world title and Kenny didn't. <laughs> yeah, well, and I would, you know, I mean, I really like Kenny Omega. I don't yeah. think he's uh, been, you know, had a bad year or anything like that, but he hasn't been a top guy in a in his own company i mean he has been he has been him and the bucks have been trying to put over adam page for the hmm. last 12 months and doing a really good job of it so it's sort of weird to me that that he's not and higher and, up the list yeah absolutely and then at 14 you've got roman reigns who hasn't hasn't been wrestling he's like you know it's yeah pretty hard to say that you know two-thirds of a year of roman reigns is better than, you know, some of the people that come after him. Nick Aldis is at 15. Um, Nick Aldis is that, great. It's been much deserved. But, but his show hasn't been on. Like, it's... It, it only went off in March. That's... that's a so, thing. like, half of the year. And it, and it is a part-time. Like, I do, I do think, like, look, I'm not 
going to uh, nail, nail. To be play. fair with Nick Aldis, they did try and put him further down the list, and he just walked. He just walked straight into the fifteen spot. <laughs> so take it off me. And everyone was like, no, you're cool, Nick. You can stay wherever you you can be wherever you want on the list. And like I'm not sure having Bray Wyatt at sixteen is particularly fair given he had no, you know he should have been at number one. One of the most fascinating well there you go. Uh matches ever. Braun Strowman at nineteen. I'm like, sort of yeah, Braun what? Strowman shouldn't even be on the list full stop. It uh, Bray Bray Wyatt is an interesting I mean, I know this is the AW podcast. Bray Wyatt is interesting though. I, I think he's been doing the most interesting work in WWE. And I could make an argument that he has been he has been single-handedly dragging my interest back to WWE at times where I'm like, I don't want to watch this product. Mm. I would have him. He's one of the best. I mean, I think what happens he is that the guys who I started a company with, if if I could. <laughs> yeah, well, because he's because he's a heel that you could have any. You know, once you've got your big baby face, whoever that is, he can go up against the fiend. You know, like, mm. um, I just thought we could quickly. So Adam Page is at 33. Um, and also got, that, that means Alistair Black is before uh, Adam, pa- Adam yes, Page. Shinsuke so Nakamura. MJ- yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's a, it, I, I haven't had a chance to look at this until just now, and it is a bit of a weird list. I suppose they're probably taking – they're probably thinking about it a bit more of a holistic 12-month view than I well, so than probably we are, but uh, I – account the win-loss record the technical ability the influence on the sport which is your point on moxley uh success against the highest grade of competition success against the most diverse competition and activity so that's pretty cool you would say influence on the sport moxley obviously massive at the moment um Hmm. you could also i think argue very strongly for jericho given the level of his creativity yeah um, yeah. success against the highest grade of competition, you know, both Moxley and Cole are probably even there. Um, th- they were both champions for most of the year. Um, success against the most diverse competition. Um, I mean, if you can't just going to Japan for, you know, four or five times as diversity, then Moxley wins that. Um, activity, I mean, yeah. No, no one's hyperactive at the moment. Um, uh, hmm. You know, technical ability obviously is not probably at this point. Moxley's like he's not putting on five star classics. He's putting on good matches, but they're not, hmm. you know, modern wrestling matches. Um, and win loss record, I mean, I think is almost relevant. That it, I think it's stupid that they would take that into account. Um, oh, you know, well, that's kind of just like an old, old trope. Old, I I don't mind stuff. it. Um, well, I don't mind it because I like top guys to win, you know, but I understand that there's more to it. Well, than, no no than WWE that. guys ever going to be there then because they constantly are 50-50 booked. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> Does, I don't have any problem with that. Hey, I wanted to ask you. Uh, Brian Cage at 51, will there be retribution from Team Taz? You are the head of Team Taz. Will there be retribution from Team Taz to Um, have the machine mark that blow down in the list? When I first saw that, I was legitimately furious. But then I was like, (laughs) to be fair, Brian Cage has been injured for almost the whole year, particularly if you if it is June to if it is July to July, injured for almost the whole year, turned up was really really hot, lost, 
and then sort of disappeared for a little while and now is sort of popping back up occasionally uh, in a sort of mid-card role. It's 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 hard to to say that Brian Cage deserves to be a top uh, 25 wrestler. Um, you know, is he better than Baron Corbin? Yes, I think so. Um, maybe I'm <laughs> you know, the, the maniac uh, there. But uh, sure. I, th- I actually think that's, uh, you know, relatively okay. Like, yes, Roderick Strong's 29 and Brian Cage's 51. I, I know you gave me for free an ability to tee off about how great Brian Page is, but uh, yeah, I, I sort of understand that. That that is a very restrained Team Taz response that I was not ex- uh, expecting at all. I just want to I just want to point out uh, Ricky Starks, who's someone that I've been booking for AW for the last um, I don't know six months or so, um, is already at number 92 and he's essentially had two matches in the in the company he was at nwa beforehand as well Uh, but the most important thing i think uh in this list is um i'll draw your attention to number 106 matthew uh Mm. that's right it's four thousand pounds of heavy metal it's warhorse and i'm I'm headbanging i'm headbanging (laughs) Uh, that legitimately made me so fucking happy that he was that high up the list and also is another reason why someone, for the love of God, signed this guy. Like, it's not happening at AEW. It's been, what, five weeks now and he hasn't got a contract, so it's not happening. So Ring of Honor, Impact, someone, New Japan, sign this guy. According to PWI then, uh, Karrion Cross. NXT champion is only 10 wrestlers better than Warhorse. Yeah, well, I mean, that's being that's being kind. I mean, if it was up to me, uh, you know, Warhorse would be number one. It'd be Warhorse, John Moxley, <laughs> The Fiend, and then Dan Housen. That would be my top four. And then no other wrestlers. <laughs> I would have no the rest of you guys, no one made the list this year. Um <laughs> Uh, Kylie, uh, it's Kylie Ray was the top woman. Is that right? I was looking at Kylie. Uh, no, where is she? Oh, God, I'd written this down. Now I've lost it. I'm like uh, Sean Connery in The Medicine Man. She's the, uh, she left AEW, didn't she? Yeah, she was someone that I noticed at the very first pay-per-view and I was like, oh, I like her. Uh, and then something happened at AEW, and it's never really been disclosed what happened, but she left, and she's on Impact now, and I think she just won the Women's Championship at Impact, um, and she's the highest woman on the list. And I, I've, I'm sorry, guys, I've completely lost where she is. You can look it up. She's great, though. And also Impact are, like, doing some okay work at the moment. Like, Impact are good. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I've watched little bits and pieces of it. I like it. Um, you know, I don't need to see Tommy Dreamer, but uh, other than that, I'm pretty chill. Tommy. He's all right. <laughs> Shall we talk about um, Dynamite? Given we're yeah, seven- let's talk about Dynamite because um, we're 17 minutes in. But the, anyway, I think people love, I mean, we love talking about that stuff, and I'm sure all the nerds who listen to us will be into that as well, also, yelling at their all the cool yelling at their podcasts. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're all beautiful people, but the fuck? We like wrestling. We're nerds. Embrace it. It's good. Um, now, we on commentary, we had uh, Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross, and they are joined by Le Champion, the demo god. Um, 
this could be a very good commentary team. Well, I think it was this episode. It was this episode, but I'm saying, like, I think obviously with Excalibur, um, stuff coming out about Excalibur being a naughty racist boy, and um, he will not be back anytime soon, I don't think. Um, they're, they're obviously throwing a few things around to see what works and what doesn't. Um, and I know I said this last week as well. Jim Ross has been on his best behavior recently. He seems to have his head in the game as a, you know, that's, that's a Jim Rossism right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, with, with just having that heel commentator there of, of the caliber of Jericho really, um, really increased my enjoyment of the, the episode this week. And he's a really like old school heel colander. Comment, uh, col- colander. He's a heel colander. Um, <laughs> he's got that, you know, like a Jesse Ventura sort of, you know. That's thing. exactly what I was going to say. Well, there you go. I stole it from your note. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm not. No, not at all. I just, it, it comes across like that. It's that real sort of like mischievous, funny, you know, if you get it, you get it kind of uh heel commentary that i loved from jericho and and in real life uh he's also like a bit of a weird right white right winger so uh it it sort of makes sense to call him to compare him to jesse ventura i don't he swings between just complete like naivety to a secret red hat and it like on twitter and i i can't tell whether it's like part of a heel gimmick or whether that's really him or i think um that as a political statement, uh, and we don't, we try not to talk about politics and stuff on this show, but uh, I would not go to wrestlers for political opinions. Um, that, no, you know, no. Other than Daniel Bryan, like. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this is going to take a bit of explaining. So let me try and incorporate. I'd like to thank the AW website results page for helping me out with this. Uh, we had a tag team gauntlet match and the order of the gauntlet was determined by the official AW rankings as of that day of the day of recording. Um, so, uh, so essentially natural nightmares took on the young bucks uh, in the first part of the gauntlet match. Do we know how the natural nightmares have got to number four when you've got AW. like butcher and the blade and <laughs> it's a brothers. It's unbelievable, right. but uh, also uh, Chris Jericho referring to QT Marshall as QT Marshall. The whole <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, um, I've heard um, this idea that like the first match sort of sets the tone for um, the the rest of the episode, and it's hard to break out of that. But I think this is probably an example of a match that I didn't really care about. Um, and I started to enjoy the episode more as it went on. So I, I don't know if that that yeah. um, philosophy well, isn't necessarily true. You were never in doubt that the Young Bucks were going to beat the Natural Nightmares. No, not at all. It, it was almost pointless having them out there. I, I'm starting to resent anything to do with the Rhodes family besides Cody. I think that's coming across pretty strongly in the podcast the last few weeks, but I just... I don't want anything. I don't care about QT Marshall. I don't care about Dustin Rhodes. I don't care about Brandy Rhodes. Like, you know, if they want to come out with Cody, fine. But, uh, and also, weren't they all killed last week? 
So why are these two numbskulls, you know, in the first match of Dynamite? Well, they they wrestled like they'd been killed last week at least. Yeah, and QT Marshall is just not very good. They the the commentators tried to do a, a good job of of putting him over. He's really improved, you know. People used to say that that to to me at, at about Aussie Rules football when I was about fifteen. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that I was any good at it. <laughs> um, it's more depressing to be told that you've really improved if you were still plugging away at playing Aussie Rules football at forty. Uh. <laughs> uh, you've you've managed to work out how to handball. That's good good work, Damon. Um so then we had the best friends come down. Immediately uh, my interest picked up. Uh these guys were putting on a, a good show with the young bucks like they always do. And now this is what I'm really interested in. Hangman Page comes out uh dressed as Billy Eilish, I think. Um <laughs> he <laughs> He'd been, because um, he's the bad guy, duh. Uh, <laughs> see, young people reference. Uh, he he was wearing mascara, right? Or was I just... There, well, the, given that the commentators referenced something's different about his eyes about 67 times, I was like, either his new gimmick is that his pupils are massive because he's on meth, or he's wearing mascara for some reason that I'm sure we'll find out. He looked like, uh, yeah, he looked like um, the nerdy girl, you know, at the prom scene in like a high school comedy where she'd, you know, been told by the hot guy that she wasn't hot, you know, um, and then she'd just been crying and all her mascara had run. Um, well, so playing Towns Van Zandt at this point, like he's <laughs> alcoholic, <laughs> depressed cowboy uh, who doesn't <laughs> really have any friends, but is quite good yeah. at his job. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so anyway, Jared Way from My Chemical Romance grabs <laughs> one of the legs of the Young Bucks in the middle of this match and uh, causes um, causes the Young Bucks to lose to to the best friends. And there was a weird reaction from the best friends. Were they, like, upset because they didn't win fairly because they're good guys? Is that they seen or were they just shocked that Adam Page had turned on the young bucks well i think it was we, we did i will note that we said last week that there was no way they were giving the young bucks versus ftr away uh and yeah. so this was and, and, and we sort of postulated that there will be some kind of schmozzy uh finish involved um and and this sort of counts in a no, we were right you know we, we, were, we were right you're, you're too polite to say i'll say it I, I i would note that young the young bucks are great in the ring um I really enjoy watching them wrestle. But having the crowd back, I really noticed the fact that um, because of the sort of spot-heavy style, um, you know, there's there's sort of it's a big like wow and then sort of silence, then wow and then silence as you sort of wait for them to do something else amazing. Um, mm. And it's, it's, it's not the best uh, viewing experience sometimes. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. The Bucks are weird, man. They're a weird anomaly of a of a wrestling team. Mm. I, you know, there are times where I'm really into it. There are times where I'm like, oh, these guys. Uh, I never, I'm never on board with them as characters, especially when they're good. Like they need, they need to be heels. They just yeah. need to be. I can't. 
they just remind me of like that you know that south park episode where the kids go to like the snow and there's like that that kid who keeps coming up to i think it's stan and it's like hey dosh let's let's let's, let's ski race dosh they're like that you know they just remind me of these sort of like arrogant american guys who think that they're really cool even though they're not really that cool uh anyway they lost so suck it um uh, <laughs> um, and Hangman Page sort of like skulked off, uh, you know, like a, a pantomime villain under a spotlight um, off, off into the crowd. Uh, and now it's time for Horseman Watch. Here come the FTR. And uh, look, the four, four Horsemen is happening and my version of Four Horsemen is is happening. Matt, uh, Hangman Page has gone off to get his uh, Four Horsemen jacket that the FTR are wearing and Tully is wearing and I want one of those jackets. AEW put it in the store so I can get one. Um, FTR come out. doesn't. They win. FTR win because they're going to go to uh, All Out uh, and go up against Hangman Page and Kenny Omega where Hangman Page will turn on Kenny Omega and join the new Four Horsemen. Look, I think it's increasingly likely that that's what happens. But I would say uh, last week we talked about... Uh, right since January, dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, uh, last week we talked about um, FTR's song being, like, really, like... <laughs> <laughs> I had not seen yeah. uh, their their like I guess Titan Tron AEW Tron uh, their their little video. Uh, mm. It's them in underpants under a highway, just standing around looking. Yeah. Up. it's amazing. Yeah, remember I brought this up a few weeks ago, and you were like, "Oh yeah, I don't think I've noticed that." They just well, I know why they. Yeah, <laughs> they're just walking around in their undies in like a in a ghetto like you would you would get in a lot of like it shows how tough they are because you have to be tough to walk around (laughs) under highways in your underpants i know right i know about like getting stabbed with a needle um yes so next we have uh, a video package now i'm probably I apologize in advance, Matt and listeners. I'm probably going to bang on a little bit um, in regards to this. Uh, so we had a video package uh, hyping the NWA Women's World Championship match between uh, AEW Women's Champion Sheeta and NWA Women's Champion Thunder Rosa. Not only is this a champion versus champion match, which I love, not only is it developing a women's storyline on AEW, the shock, the horror, which I love. This video package had video uh, had had video footage from NWA Power. Had Billy Corgan, or sorry, as he's known in kayfabe, William Patrick Corgan, uh, the owner and proprietor of NWA, talking about Thunder Rosa. My dream of an NWA AEW crossover, which kind of started as a joke, is actually fucking happening before my eyes, and I could not be more excited. This is old school territory cross promotional wrestling. That when I was watching it last night in my bed, I actually clapped to myself at the end of the at the end of the promo and went, "Fuck yeah!" 
to myself, to no one. That's how excited I am about this match, this promotion, that the cross promotion of my two favorite wrestling promotions on earth. Matt, I don't know how you follow that. Uh, good luck. This, this <laughs> by far the best match promotion AEW's ever done for a women's match. Um, I think what I hope, I hope we're about to get like Thunder Rosa two belts. Um, I can't wait to see mm. the match. It's the match I'm most excited about for all out. Well, that actually, I hadn't, you know, I'm so excited about the match and, and everything that's going around it that I hadn't thought about what happens if Thunder Rosa wins. Well, the AEW have like a incredible figure. Like, Sheeta's really, really good. Um, but does Thunder Rosa take that because she'll be the NWA? So does the NWA women's belt come to AEW or does that AEW belt get taken to whatever NWA are doing next, which they've announced in the last couple of weeks? Well, I like to think it. it well, I like to think of the future. Um, I like to think that, uh, she, that she will uh, defend both titles on both shows. Oh, fuck. It just... It, what what it does do, and there's like a, a couple of other things that, um, a couple of other examples in this is episode that that just makes dynamite so more exciting and interesting than anything WWE can do. Only because, and this isn't really me having a go at WWE. It just their business model has been, they're like a Mac. You know, they're like a closed interface. You can't plug anything into it. AEW can have NWO, uh, NWO, I wish, NWA guys come in, uh, New Japan guys, indie wrestlers like Warhorse, they can make references to New Japan, they make references to PWI. It opens up the wrestling universe so much in ways that you don't expect to, to happen. And when they do, it's... You know, it's the same thing as like when you found out there was going to be a Marvel Cinematic Universe. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe this is actually happening. It's like the wrestling equivalent of that where, you know, I joke around about Warhorse and stuff, but I love him. And the fact that he was on Dynamite is so cool. And now having Thunder Rosa on a pay-per-view defending the NWA Women's Championship is so fucking exciting. And I think good, not just for both of the promotions, but for wrestling in general, for the people involved to put their egos aside and say, yeah, man, this is a great match. People are going to want to see this. It's going to make us all money. Let's do it. Mm. It's so nice to not have massive egos getting in the way of what people might actually want to see in wrestling. And I, th I think the most likely outcome, you know, Cody went and wrestled for the NWA uh, heavyweight title on uh, all, at All In and lost. Uh, I suspect this is for the AEW title, not the NWA title. So I suspect Thunder Rosa is going to take the L here. But if she doesn't, and if if she's a permanent character on uh, Dynamite, the women's division is starting to get very good. I would. The thing is, what interests me if this if this promo package and uh, Shivoni Skiavone and uh, Bad Boy Jim Ross did a really good job in this, by the way. Um, they might actually be watching some wrestling that's not from 15 years ago, which is nice. Um, the the fact that Billy Corgan was in this promo as NWA owner and president makes me think that there is 
some sort of agreement has been struck between the two yeah, promotions. Certainly, that's that's the case. Um, and I do. Do you want to hear another crazy demo theory that I think might actually come to fruition? Sure. So during the week, I was like, I think Nick Aldis might show up at All Out. And I don't think that I think I've booked that badly. I don't want to bring that up on the podcast. But he was there was an announcement on Fight that he's joined the Fight team and will be interviewing people. So he's going to have like his own little program and he'll be interviewing uh, sports stars himself. And I was like, oh, that's a weird. I was like, that's such a weird turn for him to take. Like. He's NWA champion. Why would he just all of a sudden be like, oh, yeah, I'm a TV host now? Um, Then I had this idea of like, what if he starts interviewing wrestlers, specifically AW wrestlers, and basically calling (laughs) calling them out or something like that, you know what I mean? Or like has his own little show that appears on Fight TV where he just like slags off AEW. I mean, if you... If you really want to do the Four Horsemen properly, wouldn't Nick Aldis as NWA champion be the best option to go with FTR and oh, whoever else? Don't. The, that's, the feeling I just got then is when people say, did you see what happened with CM Punk? It's like it, it's, it makes me very happy and stressed all at the same time. Um, anyway, what I'm saying, like this conversation that we're having now, it just opens up all these other avenues People can fantasy book and get excited and blah, blah, blah. And half the stuff may not happen, but it's a world now that exists where it can. And that's so cool. Like mm-hmm. that, it's so exciting as a fan. You know, I'm a middle-aged man and like AEW are getting me excited about wrestling for the first time since like Sam Punk and Daniel Bryan. It's been like a good five, six years since I've been super excited about wrestling. So I just... I told you it was going to be a bit of a rant, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that, guys. But I can't wait for this match. It's going to, it's going to be a really good wrestling match as well, outside of everything. Agreed. Family agreed. Uh, I feel like we're going to butt heads about this next segment. Um, it was uh, MJF came out uh, well, wait, with his we, entourage. We sort of skipped uh, Darby Allen and Lance Archer and all this kind oh, of thing. Oh, we did. I'm so sorry. Let's talk about that next. Uh, so, yeah, Murder Hawk, uh, the Murder Hawk monster Lance Archer. Had a match against uh, Sean Maluda. You don't need to worry about Sean Maluda much because he gets destroyed uh, in I this match. Wrote his name in my notes is Sean Makita. So, yeah, everybody dies and everyone was dying until uh, I was surprised not to see you out there, Matt. But Team Taz came out uh, to confront um, the Murder Hawk and. I've got to say, this is one of the. I di- I didn't really enjoy this. I felt like Jake, it felt like Jake went into business for himself here. Actually, kind of like rattled Taz a little bit. I thought Jake's um, promo was not particularly at the standard. I, I the Lance Archer uh, Jake Roberts thing. Uh, after last time we saw them, where uh, Lance Archer ripped Jake Roberts' shirt off and had written on his torso. Um, is is maybe jumping the shark a little bit? Um, yeah, I I I did not particularly enjoy this. However, I did like uh, Darby Allen's return to 
Yeah, we had uh, you and I have been calling for the last month for Darby Allen to get back to his roots of uh, French uh, nouveau uh, cinema, and and he has. Uh, there was uh, you know sad music, black and white film. It was uh, a little doing- commercially, like it was. It was not as good as the previous ones, but it was still good. It's a return to form, but it's better than him just being at Pipeworks falling backwards off a you know off a platform into some. Or doing like some sick ollies with Tony Hawk. Yeah, look, the fact that he wasn't like with Kelly Slater at the beach. Uh... <laughs> That's next. Bash at the beach with Darby Eddie. Allen hanging out with Kelly Slater. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, That's a... the shark net. I don't know. Check out that sick rip, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with my best friend, eleven time. World's World Surfing Championship winner, Kelly Slater. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Darby. Let's go cut up some sick tubes. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is like this is leading it. So Darby Allen came down what I like to call uh, Butcher and Blade Avenue on his <laughs> uh, on his skateboard and um, came in and just went straight after Ricky Starks. Ending what was a pretty poor promo. Like, I don't want to hang on the negatives too much, but I just don't know what was going on here. Like, when you have Jake the Snake and Taz doing a promo with each other, you'd be like, oh, this this should rule. And it genuinely felt like Jake went into business for himself and completely tripped up Taz in ring on national TV. Um, and I was just like, I don't know I, who knows who what happened there, but it just came across as pretty amateurish. It would be something that WWE fans would point out and go, "That's shit." Yeah, like it. Uh, uh, hopefully, I think it seems that they're leading towards they're going to have Darby and Ricky continue their promo, their 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 rivalry, yeah, which is great, cute, and yeah. probably Archer and Cage, which could be fantastic in the ring. I'm and, into that. And if it's and if Jake and Taz are sort of up their games a little bit. It could be fantastic promo-wise as well. Like that that could be an exciting matchup on all levels. Oh, for sure. Well, Jake just needs to shut up when Taz is speaking. Yeah. That's all that that's all that's an easy fix. He just refused to do that this week. It's, it was really weird. Um okay, now we have MJF uh John Moxley contract signing for their match at all out. Um, a lot happens in this, but really it's MJF cutting a really long, again, I don't want to be captain negative. I don't know if this was, uh, Maxwell's strongest work. Um, like it wasn't bad. I mean, MJF doesn't cut a bad promo. Um, and we've sort of spoken about this before that like, you know, he's, you know, the Michael Jordan or Dustin Martin or whatever you want to call him, you know, like the he's so consistently good that when he has a a slight, you know, when he's not exceptional, you're like, oh, that's shit. But I, I don't know. I just felt like he wasn't um, just there wasn't something. His promo this week wasn't as believable as oh. I I wasn't into it as much as I usually am for some reason. I thought it was um, at least an illustration of, like, I was quite critical uh, last week when Mox gave a big long promo about how tough guys don't talk and then, you know, spoke for five minutes about how tough he was and how 
much he's going to beat MJF. I thought this was a good... Uh, I think having the crowd back with Mox is just such an enormous boon because um, his character just connects so much better when there's people there to, you know, be excited and scream yeah. and yell, and he looks way cooler. Physically, his contrast to MJF, you know, couldn't be bigger. Um, and uh, I think having MJF just running his mouth and Mox just sitting there not giving a shit is pretty cool. Um, yeah. I agree that it wasn't, like, the best of the MJF promos, but I think it illustrated um, what it needed to and I was I was really 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 positive about Mox in this. Uh, yeah. I was really excited, except then right at the end they just had to go hot dog cart with it and have like, oh, Mox slipped in another page, and uh, has now he gets to fight the lawyer next week, and uh, should have read that. <laughs> and it's just like that's not mm. cool. That's lame. Like it's not cool. Like if he's this like anarchist tough guy he shouldn't always be doing wacky schemes like <laughs> it's just like it is it's hot dog cardi and like i i just like i watched all these old mox promos from czw and i was like this guy is so good and like when i saw him come out and the crowd react so well and him you know interplay with MJF in this way. I was like, this is cool. This is going to be good. Like, this is going to be sort of, you know, not a five-star match, but it, it will be really enjoyable. And, you know, I don't even mind if now the crowd are back. It's okay if Mox is the champion. Like, it's a little bit more interesting. And then he has to do the wacky shit that, like, is just so, like, Hulk Hogan Dungeon of Doom garbage. Like, I just can't stand the, like, the fact that he sat there, like, writing up his own little page and slipped it into the contract and tricked them. <laughs> like, it's so stupid. Uh, look, I, 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 yeah, I take your point on board. I, I was going to say um, I really enjoyed Mox's sort of, there was a promo in two halves, um, and I really enjoyed Mox's uh, half. Uh, of it, I thought that's where we might butt heads, but we're pretty much saying the exact same thing. Um, I really liked the part where he said, uh, but remember two things, nothing you say matters and nothing I sign matters. And, that, yes, that did turn into the, like, oh, I'm fighting your lawyer. It's a lawyer and a poll match. Um, but <laughs> but I did like that line of nothing you say matters because at the core of MJF, it's, you know, like... Yeah. His character is his ability to speak. He can speak his way in and out of any sort of scenario, you know. And John Moxley saying him, saying to him, looking him square in the eye, "Nothing you say matters, you little shit." I just thought was perfect. It was perfect heel uh, face interaction between the two of them. Um, I, I got to say, I think you know we've sort of had some uh, ups and downs with these promos, but I, I think these guys are doing a really good job together. I mean, they're both very, very good. So it makes sense that they are, you know, I'm not telling anyone, Hey guys, did you, you reckon if John Moxley and MJF did a program, it'd be good. Like, I mean, obviously <laughs> it would be good, but I really enjoy, I'm enjoying the build up to this match is what I'm trying to say. Except the lawyer. I wasn't overly keen on the lawyer bit either. Well, no, it's very exciting. Cause next week we get to watch John Moxley beat up someone's lawyer. <laughs> Well, you know, it is a lawyer. I mean, that is going to be relatively 
my, my fun wife, to watch. My wife's a lawyer, just as a as a note to her. Well, there's good lawyers, you know. <laughs> I mean, our friend David, his wife is also a lawyer as well, Jen, who we love. But you know, this guy's a schemy, gross lawyer. <laughs> this is a professional uh, fighter bashing up a lawyer because of like <laughs> a tricky little scheme. <laughs> It's just, it's not, I don't know why. And it, at some point you can't blame WWE because, yes, they give him, they gave him slightly more silly shit, but it seems like he is somewhat attracted to this. <laughs> yeah, it is like that, uh, yeah, it does sort of come across like that. Well, what if I, uh, what if I put my own page in the contract and. You know, and then I beat the shit out of MJ uh, Maxwell's uh, lawyer. Anyway, but it's like, like I think it's a relative. At his computer, type it up, slip it in secretly. <laughs> like, the amount of steps you have to go to to do it make it uncool. Particularly when it his is. character is supposed to be the I don't it care is. about anything, oh, whatever. And it's like, no, yeah. like, I obviously like care so much that I come up with stupid schemes that get me essentially nowhere. Like you're just wrestling a lawyer. It's not like. Oh yeah, I can't use uh, the the double arm DDT, but I can use weapons because it's a no holds barred match. Like that would have at least made sense. <laughs> or be like, you yeah. you know, you can't use whatever the fuck his finisher is. That I don't know what it is. Um. Next up, we ah oh, Santana and Ortiz tell the best friends that it's time to pay their dues. Building that up to all out. That's a match I'm looking forward to. Um. I think Santana and Ortiz are probably going to have to be put over at that pay-per-view because I, I think they've probably, through their work in the inner circle, have probably taken too many losses, I would say, for them to be a, a, a sort of, you know, believable threat. So I feel like AEW do a really good job of building people back up. And they're doing that with um, Santana and Ortiz at the moment. Uh, next, we had the Lucha Bros and... It's us, Butcher and the Blade, versus, uh, well, I don't want to call him the bad boy because we all know that the bad boy is Jim Ross. So Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss versus Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. Um, this, was, this was an enjoyable match. It was essentially just setting up Eddie Kingston's faction as being something to look out for yeah, with, no. uh, you know, Lucha Bros and Butcher and the Blade winning. And it makes the it gives a little bit of like the casino battle royale now, royal or royale mm. uh, as the debate was happening. Was um yeah, uh, bad boy Jim Ross had to get his two cents in uh, on that. But like the idea of Eddie Kingston having five people in there, Taz having two people in there, like it's there's there's a lot of opportunities. It's definitely going to be faction heavy, um, but I'm quite. I'm quite happy with that. Well, you um, I do want to point AWO to return to AEW, so potentially, you know, Fuck. Kevin Nash, yeah. Scott Hall, and Virgil will be in there as well, <laughs> uh, and Horace Hogan. <laughs> um, we, uh, I just want to point out the work of Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, yes, he's another one of my boys that I will push on the podcast every week. But I mean, you see uh, his work at the very end of this match. Um, where he came in and, and cleaned house. Uh, he has the ability to be anything. Um, so I was super excited, but took another loss. Um, I think that's like six or seven weeks in a row now that Brian Pillman Jr. has lost. But, you know, he's a baby and he's paying his dues and that'll be fine. Um, 
but yeah, this all makes the the Casino Battle Royale. To, I say Royal, but it's Royale with E on the end of it, right? Uh, I don't know. Write in, tweet us. Do you know what they call a battle royal in France? It's a a la royale with cheese. Newly crowned TNT champion, the exalted one Brody Lee, along with the Dark Order, uh, were on hand to celebrate last week's victory. Do you want to talk about this? Not particularly. Like <laughs> Anna Day looked cool. That was the only thing I took from it. I thought this started okay with the like you know the coffin and we buried Cody and Barb. I didn't mind that. It's a bit of wrestling gimmickry, but fine. But it, again, as soon as I see QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes at the moment, I'm just switch off. I'm not interested. You throw Scorpio Sky in there as well, and there's three wrestlers that I'm just not. You're just not going to get me with uh, Matt Cordona. Uh, Cordona, my yeah, my Cordona, um, uh, is back and looked kind of big in this. Um, but again, I'm not super. I, I think they're probably pitching towards a Cardona, um, Brody Lee program. This seems to be what's happening there. Really? Yeah, I guess so. That's not much. I I don't care about that. I don't want to say that particularly. Um, this little bit, I know we're sort of running along for time, but uh, there was a lot that happened in the episode. And I kind of want to bring, I want to, essentially the Bucks confront Hangman Page who's hanging out at this bar at Daly's Page place, wherever this bar is that Hangman Page just hangs out at all the time. And it um, looks like really quite like fancy. Yeah. Like who's stocking it? Is it his? Is it Tony Khan's? Like what the, I don't, <laughs> it's strange. Anyway. Uh, the young bucks confront him and and do some sort of. Uh, I thought this segment worked, but there was some on off the cuff acting, especially from uh, Matt Jackson, that was a bit. But yeah. it worked. I think overall it worked. He's out of the elite, which I don't know what that means. Um, he can't be in a stadium stampede match with the elite. <laughs> He can't be on being the elite anymore. Well, Brody Lee's on being the elite, and he's not uh, in the elite. I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, you know, really challenge you on that one there. But um, yeah, you're I mean, right. maybe that's what no, it you're is. Right. They're not. They're not friends anymore, so they're not going to accept his like funniest home video submissions. <laughs> uh, I, I thought that segment was pretty good. Uh, yeah. The shattered mirror imagery, you know, it's a bit sort of you know undergraduate, but still cool. I, I like it. I, you know, I liked it. Um, next up, we had the handicap match. I enjoyed this man, uh, Big Swall versus Britt Baker, uh, and Penelope Ford, and Kip Sabian, and Rebel. Um, I know I've mentioned it before, but Swall's music fucking rules. So um, I really like Big Swall as a character as well. She's just like a badass face um she kind of terrifies me a little bit but i also like that um and uh (laughs) uh and she managed to get you know obviously there was a whole bunch of shenanigans on Britt baker's part and she managed to she managed to get the uh the win um and will take on Britt baker at at uh, all out were there any particular moments uh in this uh, segment that 
you want to point out? Look, I loved this. Um, I thought it was great. I really liked Same. that Big Swole just flattened Kip Sabian because in kayfabe sense, in a kayfabe sense, the way they've built Big Swole, she should be able to flatten Kip Sabian. Um, yeah, and it continues the trend of uh, all the top women in the company knocking Kip Sabian out. <laughs> Sheeta's done it. Big Swole's done it. And, um, you know, Britt was absolutely on point as just the most unpleasant wonderful person she may have um it was a very small moment but it may be one of my favorite moments of aw so far when she's in her wheelchair and the bell rings and she says go get them girls and then hums <laughs> the first few bars of uh shania twain uh i just it made me laugh for a really long time uh <laughs> But it also, to me, shows, like, that they're all having, like, just fun, you know? Like, David and I used to talk about this on the old wrestling podcast all the time. When you saw wrestlers who were into a program that they were doing or were in an environment where they were happy, that shone through. And this is happening with, you know, well, it feels like everybody on the roster, but especially Britt Baker at the moment. Mm. No, absolutely. Um, And then we finish up with... Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara in a tables match. Um, I enjoyed this. I usually, I don't know, I've kind of been conditioned with tra- tables and ladders and chairs, mm. oh my, um, that they're all a bit meh. Um, I mean, this went for about I, three, four, five minutes. Yeah. No, I'm saying like just whenever it happens in WWE, it's always like, well, nothing's going to happen here because it's PG and blah, blah, blah. But within 30 seconds, Sammy was busted open. Matt got the shit kicked out of him. Like this <laughs> this genuinely felt like these guys were taking mm-hmm. pretty serious bumps, again, especially for a Wednesday night. I, um, I hate seeing Matt Hardy dressed like young Matt Hardy. Like I just yeah, find same. it weirdly uncomfortable. Um, but- when he pulled... Sorry, man, you go. Oh, I just, I, no, I was finished. You go. Oh, I was just, when he pulled out the deleted, the the, the table, uh, so you had to get your opponent through a table to win, and Matt had gone to the trouble of graffitiing deleted onto a table to put Sammy through, which he ended up going through himself. But when they had the bird's eye camera view of the table, you could also see Matt's receding hairline and... um it made the clobber that he was wearing look even more ridiculous, you know. So you can see all his grey hair and a bald spot appearing, but he's wearing his, like, cross-coloured jeans. and Yeah, his, <laughs> his raver shirt and jeans, like, it's, yeah. Yeah, he got, yeah, he's got his outfit from Ministry of Style on Brunswick Street in Fitzroy. There's a localised joke for you. Um, <laughs> uh, while this, so Sammy puts... Um, Matt through the table to get the win, and then out of nowhere, Orange Cassidy appears and try well starts beating down on on Chris Jericho, and we have a perfect WCW finish to AEW Nitro, um, where <laughs> you've got Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross uh, saying, "We've run out of time. We'll be back next week for AEW Dynamite," <laughs> which is like actually how Nitro's just in. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, and, um, you know, Chris and, and Orange Cassidy are beating the, the hell out of each other. Uh, there was some pretty poor ref holding 
wrestlers back work in this. Um, yeah. Not to be Captain Negative again, but I just it was so noticeable. I I couldn't help but note it down. Hmm. Overall, I think this was a good episode, though. No, I yeah, I really enjoyed it. There was only a couple of small gripes, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, no, it was it was uh, all out is something that I'm genuinely looking forward to, and it's just AW Dynamite at this point now where everything just works. It's just a well-oiled machine. Um, you know, you, you don't get a bad episode, even when episodes are not the best it's still very good and i think um, we're obviously going to get next week uh, on dynamite before all out you know kenny uh kenny and pa- page interacting and things like that that are you know you sort of want to see uh, Brody lee is obviously going to need to have a challenger for all out um, yeah there's a fair bit of story going on here and that's what you know i mean people uh, quote this a lot but cody was like before when dynamite started was like, you got to do the work to make it work and that's what dynamite do you know, they they do the work every week with telling stories, but also like putting on good wrestling and keeping you interested. So, um, man, we are a couple of AW marks. Um, let's. <laughs> uh, that's it. That's the the whole show. I want to. So you got something you want to? No, this is our longest episode ever. This is. Yeah, it's gonna. It's a long one. Um, uh, yes, uh, just thanks for everyone who's listening, especially to the WCW uh, show. If you haven't checked that out, check it out. It's uh, something that me and Matt actually genuinely love doing. Not that we don't love doing this, but we probably love WCW just a touch more. Um, uh, you can follow us on on social media uh, at WrestleWolfPod. You can email us at WrestleWolfPodcast, rate and review. That does genuinely make uh, a difference. We were up in the top 20 wrestling podcasts on 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 iTunes like six weeks ago, which is fucking ridiculous. But anyway, um, if you can help us get back up there, we want to be number one, baby. Uh, so if you can help us get back up there, that'd be great. We're coming to um, you, Ricky Gervais. Yeah, Ricky Gervais. <laughs> I remember recently uh, listening to Russell Brand podcast where he would spend half the pro- podcast talking about getting himself to number one. Uh, and then when it finally happened, he didn't have any more content. Um <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that's it. We'll be back with uh, just subscribe to the feed and you'll get WCW Nitro reconsidering. You'll get WWE Weekly where I sound really depressed for 25 uh, 25 minutes every week. Uh, And this show, AW Dynamite. Rest in peace, fans. Pepe's Um, dead. (laughs) We're really trying (laughs) trying to find catchphrases to (laughs) (laughs) See ya. (laughs) 